0: Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, it's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day.
1: So I've been trying to get my life to be more objective and that's bringing real data in on different measures and so two things I want to talk about and the message specifically is write everything down. So what I've been trying to do is, instead of using my brain for remembering things, you know, like your brain, it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta remember to do this. Mm -hmm. Try to make sure that that is all documented in one place and you have a system. And so that's really been a big uh, thing for me the past few weeks is to try to get everything into a, a system, you know, I know people use email, but I think writing things down is very, very important. Um, cause I think what, what I have found myself doing is making a ton of commitments to people and not holding them up or, you know, you forget something and it just goes off the wayside. So I'm trying to reduce that as much as possible.
0: So are you talking about just like
1: post-it notes or pieces of
0: paper or what is your, what is your method to the? So
1: I am 100% digital. So okay. that means I use Evernote to document and everything. Are you a fan? I, so far, so good. Cause what I've tried, so I've used Google, what the Google post-it note. I've looked at OneNote. Evernote, it seems like was created specifically for this. And so I've found, so I I've read the book Getting Things Done by David Allen, which is, you know there's some extreme followers to that and it's a very it's a very it's it's a very popular productivity system but what i what really got me is his explanation of the brain as not a remembering tool but a connector tool so what you need to do is take take the place of remembering things and just start to have a place whether it's email notes whatever it is a notebook of remembering things Like how do you capture like a random thought? So like during brainstorming, you're not, you have all of these thoughts that you randomly thought throughout the day of just like, oh my God, I need to do this i write it down
0: well I, th- I think that's an interesting idea when you uh look at the foundation of most of the educational system it's as the fine-tunement of the brain as a regurgitation recall. machine recall yeah, yeah exactly as opposed to the connector machine and i've i've even had difficulty in myself making that leap to being a connector because typically when being a connector you're taking more risks for sure so like be it a business meeting that you think you have really no chance at getting or like a person that you you know may not have a ton in common with that you all of a sudden think about them like i mean how many times hundreds of times throughout the day, there are these ideas that pop into my head and only a select few of them actually end up making it to the, like I'm going to act on this idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so the system basically has like what, what, what I've done is write everything down and then I categorize it later. Like maybe later in the day of like, this is a, this is an idea that I'm never going to follow up on. Yeah. This is like a good idea, but not even close to the time in my life ready for it. And then this is something that I need to do. And so instead of it sitting around in your head, it's out. Sure. So then it's not like what I've found is I feel lighter. I feel like, oh, man, I don't have to think. I don't have to remember to do this because now I just look at my computer or whatever my little system and it's there.
0: And um, one really great rule that I heard of was started by the folks at Google, and they really struggled with how do you maintain a culture of innovation while getting the things that you need to get done on a day-to-day basis. And they came up with this algorithm, which is uh, 70% of your work day should be spent on, like, the things that are driving your revenue today, mm-hmm. the yep. most important 20% should be spent on like sort of the next phase of things that are coming out, you know, yeah. sort of the more risky things. And then 10% is the moonshot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think I, that's an awesome idea. I think that's a way to be, to think critically about your ideas in which category do they fit into? Mm-hmm. And then how do I prioritize my ideas based on that?
1: And that's, so what, so what this kind of, uh, so it's a great book to read. It's called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And then there's a PDF that I downloaded that's called The Secret Weapon, and it's on secretweapon.org. And it's a system that what you just described, it has different suggestions on how do you quantify that and then document it and then basically file it. So like you're filing away these ideas, and I tell you, I've been able to get so much shit done lately, because <laughs> it's like, it shifts your mind into more closing loops. Because what sure. what happens is, I see a list that's like, oh my god, I gotta take out the trash. Da, da 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 So it's like, what is the next step that I take to take out the trash? I put my shoes on, and so it's like trying to get you to just get, like, get going. And then take out the take out the trash is not like the thing that you write down. It's like yeah, that's the item, but it's like get shoes on, whatever. And that's a terrible example. But let's just say like
0: no, but it's the BJ Fog mm-hmm. stuff of like doing the lowest. You know, if you're gonna do a push up, write down I'm gonna do one push up first versus a yeah, hundred, so you don't exactly. get like. I mean, that's ultimately like probably the biggest determining factor of procrastination in school is like i have to write this paper and it's like oh my god i gotta write this paper versus being like i have to write Write a sentence sentence first in order to begin writing this paper
1: well it's it's like you're moving against your brain like you're moving against your nature and that's what i've tried to really focus on is like how, how can i instead of working uphill and trying to you know, try what what got me is when they said every time you look at your list, you need to make another decision. So just make it so you don't have to make a decision. So like when you look at your list, like open Outlook, boom, you'll you'll open Outlook without even making the decision. You know, that's the first thing. Like open Outlook, comma, start or you know compose email, comma, boom. Sure. And so it's like very yep. descriptive because I, you know, procrastinated. I used to be. I used to do it a lot and that was i you know i was the guy that read all the articles about procrastination and like how do you trip the wire and how do you trick your system and, da, da, da. and like you know oh, meditate do all this other stuff and it's like well language is a really good way to fight your instinct if you just don't allow yourself to get in your own, your own way sure by just eat like you know okay boom and then you just you just find yourself doing things instead of having to make a decision every time you look at your list. Sure. So it's like trying to, you know, engineer it as efficiently as possible.
0: The other um, sort of rule or guideline that I heard was if you have a task list and there's something that terrifies you the most, you should do do that first. first. I love that rule of thumb just in terms of, because that thing is probably worth a lot of weight. Yeah. And you're probably, yeah.
1: I mean, speaking from personal experience, that's how I've gotten the really difficult things done. Yeah, it's eat the frog is the saying that I think people you eat the frog in the early in the morning.
0: That also is um, making me think about another thing that's going on in my work is we're talking about productivity so i apologize if y'all are looking for a funny episode i, I think we'll get there eventually but uh, this is uh just like stuff yeah. we think about all day <laughs> yeah yeah day. there is probably there's definitely more seriousness in my life than there is funniness which i don't i, I don't know who who you makes could categorize light, like there's, there's levity of course but yeah, yeah. But um, there is uh, a woman who I'm working with who is a consultant at one of my clients, and I'm a consultant at this client, and uh, we have these extremely candid conversations about what's going on, and she is extremely um, non-dramatic. She is removed. She's so objective, and... Um, there has been a lot of drama going on because there was this other business unit that was purchased by another business unit. So there's all these power struggles for everybody, you know, I'm going to run this and that Mm -hmm. and whatever. And, um, about three months ago I was caught in power struggles there and I have since sort of let those go. And, um, I really have tons of respect for the CEO and I heard one of my coworkers talking to him and he just said, bluntly in the in the middle of this sort of happy hour he just goes why are you causing drama sounds like drama oh yeah he he just just called it out totally attacked it attacked it like that and she was extremely taken aback like oh my gosh i'm not causing drama and really though it is like she has legitimate concerns and it is also coming across as dramatic as drama it's like a little complainy it's it's a little complaining and i i just had so much respect for that mentality and then i'm seeing all of these other people sort of around the organization that are just not in the drama scene anymore and i'm just amazed at how much more effective people can be when they just quit the effing gossip they quit the talking about other people it's just honest to god yeah what is it about the business and what is it about the teamwork and what is it that we have to get accomplished and there is obviously a huge sort of social component to working, which is really important. So, you know, I'm getting better at letting people <laughs> expound on yeah. some of those things. But um, yeah. uh, it's it's just been remarkable to see um, what can happen when people really do kind of let go of the ego of things. Because, I mean, I've worked in organizations when ego has been like a way that people get ahead, which is really toxic. Oh, it's really huge toxic.
1: culturally. I think I think what I've noticed is from some of these larger organizations. And I was reading an awesome book about middle management, like management, senior leadership and how it turns into an ego game rather than to a output game. Sure. And so he was uh, his big push was give everybody a a percentage of the winnings or losings. Sure. And then uh, stop making middle management control. Uh control who gets paid what and then pay themselves the most it's like who delivers the most value and figure out that so they were their the argument was for not a lot of hierarchy sure so instead of like analysts senior analysts blah, 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 it's like frontline worker flat. Yeah. you're a manager of 20 frontline workers you're a general manager of an entire business or you're the president sure like it was just like boom 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 and what he was saying is, it just eliminates all of this ego and gossip around who's doing what. Da, da 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 da. Like, oh my gosh, I want to move up to the next level, and then the managers start controlling the the salaries of everybody because they're kind of f- figuring out they don't provide a ton of value. And so he was just like, it sounds like this, you know, the CEO that you're working with, kind of identified a drama thing, and he was saying it. Sometimes organizations don't set themselves up for success.
0: Well, that reminds me of a blog post that I just published about uh, risk averse cultures. And um, the crux of it is kind of like risk averse cultures um, typically have like the big the big problem with a risk averse culture is that there's probably more business opportunities that are shot down around the table than there are that are like really taken and cultivated and launched and Mm -hmm. and that's when risk of risk averse cultures lose when risk averse cultures win is when it's highly correlative to the business that they're in say medical device or pharmaceuticals or whatever you know but um i i was just so frustrated by a previous experience i had where i thought a really good idea was shut down for bad reasons um, and then, you know, I've, I work with a couple other clients that are like not risk averse at all. They're like, give me all the risk I can possibly handle. And it's been interesting to kind of see the cultural juxtaposition that these organizations are at, you know. And mm-hmm. one of them has obviously been around for like 80 years. So that's the risk averse nonprofit. And then you've got the, you know, the blazing CEO with, you know, 400 startup employees, culture, startup culture, like break everything done, as fast and as he can. Kick and,
1: doors down, throw things out the window.
0: Yeah, that is how it's like, and um, it's, it's just so far, I mean, it's just so much about personality traits, man, mm-hmm. just in terms of, like, anybody who's in a difficult place where of employment, if it doesn't totally mesh with, um, or at least mesh with enough that you're willing to sacrifice your time for it. Because I mean that's the trade off. Like nobody is gonna be like, oh yay, everything I do is the best. You know, I think that's yeah. I just tell yourself a story. Yeah I,
1: I think one of the things about culture you mentioned is like I used to not think it was important. I used to think that was just a stupid buzzword. Everybody just gets work at the end of the day, but what I'm realizing and now kind of starting my own company is it's such a key part of establishing your your company's direction who you hire I mean it really is important it's super important it's
0: incredibly important and um, I was I'm at one of my main clients I'm not an employee and I've been removed from some of the inter-office politics and stuff and I want to keep reminding myself that anytime I get sucked into that feeling of like you know you know sort of ego based where am I supposed to be that sort of a thing like how how quickly can I quell those thoughts and get back to like what is really best for the business right now mm-hmm. and as a startup founder you kind of already know that because typically yeah. you don't work with anyone else so like you don't have a choice to get involved yeah. in inter-office politics you know <laughs> which is why I I, I perhaps have Come to this realization, you know, at a different point in my career than other people. But mm-hmm. I, um, I'm I'm really enjoying the new position, my this new sort of uh, approach that I've been taking. Largely, that's been facilitated in by you know people who have showed me the way. You know, what I mean, yep. it's it's really like exposure to to these ideas and these people that kind of help you put it all together. And I've been in that situation where for about a year. I've felt like I've sort of been shoveling shit. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just, I mean, doing grunt work, not really getting recognized, not doing anything fun, not doing anything material. Yeah. Just blocking and tackling every day on the grind. And finally, it's kind of been like, okay, I can stick my head above the sand, and all of that work has been done for a good reason. And so, you know. It's just been like an interesting revolution in the last two months, really, where things have sort of been like, okay, you know, we have actually seen the top of this step and we are now pulling ourselves up on top of this step. And then, you know, we've got some just grindy work in front of us and it's going to be, I mean, and and I always find that work is sort of everything in life. If you look at traffic, everything is essentially, um, driven or sort of dictated in a similar fashion to the way that the heart beats yep if you look at stop and go traffic it's always sort of like boom boom you know i mean like or or impulses you'll mm-hmm. always find like if you're on a trail for example and you're walking through the trail all of a sudden there'll be just a horde of people mm-hmm. and then there's nobody for a while And then there's a horde of people. It's interesting how uh, humans, I feel like, have sort of naturally gravitated to this sort of like moving impulses.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's a big it's a big thing. Um, I mean, do you want me to transition into our next topic? It's like a perfect way. So what I this speaking of more objectivity in my life, I've been reading and listening to other podcasts that have talked about what's called heart rate variability. So what that is, is a measure of the difference in your heartbeat. So like, you know, boom, 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 boom. It's very, very small in terms of you know, it's like
0: in so, milliseconds. Yeah. They, they measure systolic and diastolic pressure, which will be your first, you know, your yep. first and second beat. And then they also measure sympathetic, parasympathetic, the interstitial beats, mm-hmm. which are essentially these sort of tiny little movements of the heart that occur in between those larger in between those larger pumps so yep um the there there's tons of really interesting research coming out about uh heart rate variability and its uh ability to diagnose depression yep exactly so you know there's a company out of australia that is wearing sleep monitors and using that as a way to measure like people's whether or not they have depression, for sure, stress,
1: depression, every all of these indicators are being linked to um, this heart rate variability as a measure, and it's supposed to be super objective. And so, how I got onto it was a guy that is let's call him a world class um, executive coach, and he said that he does this for every one of their executives. Of like, this measures your stress level if you need to exercise more, if you need to meditate. So the balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic, which is like your go button, your your gas and your brake. And so what he and a ton of world-class athletes use this, but it's what got me interested is just what you're talking about. The, you know, like, okay, for working out, that's one thing. But now that it's getting into this, measuring of stress level mood all these other things i've been starting to do it as like how do i get objective data on myself every day and how i feel do you use a product so i bought a product i'm like i'm just you know these do you with these a, things is I got, it a chest it's mount? a chest mount i yeah. bought like a legit so i tried it on my apple watch and it was just not satisfactory and for these things usually what i have to do is commit by buying a product because then I will use it Mm -hmm. and it's like, all right, so I bought the chest strap and I've been doing it for the last couple weeks. Do they, how sophisticated is the reporting? Super sophisticated. So there's like tons of apps. And so there's this thing called elite HRV, which is a, an app that measures a ton of different things. It does a ton of things for trending. Um, you know, you can go as detailed into reporting as you want to. I stay away from the whole like athlete uh, kind of craze in HRV and try to stick to like stress level monitoring and mood, productivity, because productivity, sort of yeah. here's the thing that really got me going is when somebody said uh, you make better decisions when you are more balanced between your parasympathetic and sympathetic. So this can tell you at the beginning of the day, like today is going to be a good day. Mm -hmm. like you do you wear it when you sleep i I wear it right when i wake up you're supposed to measure it Uh. and so you're supposed to do like a morning reading and then it it you know like you enter in how much you sleep you enter in like did you exercise the day before if you meditated and so it's an extremely objective measure and what i've been doing is like measuring myself throughout the day and trying to figure out what improves it they give you some like i've been finding breathing exercises to do which actually are for me, have it enhanced my meditation. So again, speaking of the objectivity, I I wear a headband that can measure your meditative brain, waves. brain waves. So are yeah. they active or not? And so it's gotten significantly better.
0: And I would imagine you did some research on this product prior to oh so, tons of research. So you may be able to cut down on the research. Of yeah, our so users. it's called
1: it's the polar, the polar, and I will. We'll, we'll do a i bought Uh, the new reputable
0: reputable brand it's extremely reputable
1: has awesome reviews um you know again with these things there's a lot of you know there's another thing that i looked into which i decided not to do which was uh called heart math and that's an institute
0: yeah so that they were the ones who actually turned me on to heart rate variability
1: they're awesome yeah they're awesome and they have a whole research team and so I looked at what they were doing, but I found... I wanted to try a different monitor first on my sure. own.
0: Um, they, um, I feel like, are a little bit softer. They are. I don't know. They're, they're not they're as They're more intense. into the mood yes. stuff, I think. Uh, but do you know about the random number generators that they yes. that they have? I yeah. mean, I love that. Uh, so there are seven random number generators, and... Um, they're supposed to just be counting numbers but when there are these global sort of events that occur such as 9 11 you know war in syria whatever sort of punctual the olympics um the numbers become not random in in their sequencing <laughs> that's so, crazy and their their thing is like there's an electromagnetic frequency that human beings put off that we can't really measure but we know is like felt yeah. on some sort of level which i i really appreciate um and i i was just thinking that i was gonna go a totally different direction with that and um i cannot recall that's all
1: right it was i i could keep going if you could see if you could remember it yeah go for it so for me again the the variability monitor is uh, a great way to kind of look at the habits that i've been doing and so you can see right away like i didn't get good sleep one night because I got some results back for a thing that we're doing and I was super nervous. I woke up the next day and it was like boom. Today is not going to be a good day. I mean, immediate, cuz what the variability measures it it, it predict bef- before it gets to your brain. So the the thing that I was reading a lot about is your heart knows first. Your heart gets yeah. it gets messages from your central nervous system. Before, and it goes through your heart to go to your brain. Your brain then translates messages to your brain. Like your emotions come from your heart. And so that's where our brain, there's such a, there's a gap. And so what this is doing is like, yeah, you may feel stressed, but you may know it like three days late. Or you may not be able to pick up on the signal. So this is just another tool kind of in, in now in my pocket to try to say, What's going on? Do I need to today relax? Like do I really need to go for a, another walk because I'm super stressed out cuz I've figured out I'm not good at telling that in myself. I'm I mean, we're from the same family and we are good at just plowing ahead. Sure. And we're not I'm I'm not very good at being like, "Oh my gosh, today's a shitty day." It's like I just wake up and go and you know, meditating is great, but thats it's also difficult for me because I have a very active mind. So this is just another way for me to kind of poke at uh, objectively, how am I doing? And these measures are important to take over time and not just like, oh, my gosh, I scored a 60. In heart rate vari- variability, you want more. And sure. the, the average is 59. It's kind of like this one guy says 59. So you kind of hover more above it or less and like it's not a big deal um but it's it's really important to look at your consistency
0: um compared to yourself and like is that getting better or not sure and um i mean this i love this idea i have knocked the extreme data nerds for such a long time who have been you know <laughs> Pumps per minute sort of thing. Yeah, And uh, I, when I'm working out, I know always do check my heart rate sort Mm -hmm. of like how much time I'm sustaining beats at a really high, you know, Mm -hmm. beat per second level or beats per minute. And um, uh, I used to, or I get acupuncture from this woman about, I don't know, say every few months. And um, she always tells me, hey, you know, your pulse is a little bit wiry. You should be aware that your pulse is a bit wiry. She's paying attention to the heart. She's very aware. Mm. And then she was like, yeah, you know, your pulse should be like really deep. Like not necessarily. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Rather than bump, bump. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like big beat. Exactly. And I thought that was so interesting for her to be able to pick up on that. Sans the machines. I mean, the machines help, right? Because in, um, you know, like... That's one thing about highly stressed out people. Like if people are saying, you know, let's just say I'm in a really high stress environment or job and I'm not working out. And then somebody's like, oh, go to Orange Theory and have your heart rate at 180 beats per minute, you know, eight for, you know, for for four times over the next 15 or 20 minutes or whatever. That may, I'm sure that would strengthen your heart. But are you also are you changing the, the variability, the variability for sure? It? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly it's like another
1: measure. Cause what variability measures is uh, you want it to be more variable because that means that you're more nimble and you're, you're, you're able to adjust easier to events in your life. So you're not like thinking about one thing and like constantly stressing about one thing. So variability measures like the ease of you being able to change. Sure. So like they advocate for, you know, and to change your heart rate variability, there's the heart and this is the heart math. If you go on their website, they have an awesome breathing exercise, which basically is breathe in for five, breathe out for five, and you concentrate on breathing through your heart. So you think in for five and you think about your breath going into your heart and then out coming out of your heart. And so that exercise to me, I found it actually does impact my numbers. Hmm. And it's crazy how that you're talking about that awareness of your heart that that woman had. Mm -hmm. I've been finding I'm much more aware of my beats and this is a great way for me to use a tool to upset my, my active mind and my, you know, constantly moving
0: lifestyle. You refreshed my memory, which was uh, going to talk about the electromagnetic, output of the heart being like i don't know i think it's seven to ten times stronger than the brain so like from mm. a measurement perspective um it's so much more easy it's so much easier to get a an electromagnetic measurement from the heart than it is the brain yeah so brain stimulation and brain wave monitoring is really really powerful stuff too but mm-hmm. it'd be like bypassing one really stronger symbol like going to go, straight from the source yeah go
1: straight to the source yeah. so go to the tributary
0: yeah yeah. That's cool. But um another idea, so we were just chatting, uh a big um sort of a big pillar uh a, in the sort of foundation of the United States system is football, you know. So obviously NFL preseason starts. Huge. That's sort of the first indication that like oh, here comes fall, you know. So and school so, starts. And school starts and the state fair and so I was just wondering a couple weeks left of summer. I mean, you could really call September pretty much summer, but it's know, summer here—it's <laughs> so it's summerish, you know, because in the Midwest it's, it's still yeah. And, well, it's and, and technically it's the twenty-second. Yeah, yeah, weather-wise, it's still warm enough to do stuff outside, you know, seventies, whatever. But is there anything on your list in terms of maximizing your? Let's just call it three to four weeks of like you know summerish type weather left i'm doing what every
1: twin you know what every midwestern person does is try to spend those as much time at the lake as possible that's kind of my thing is let's get up north see if i can work from home Mm -hmm. do a lot you know try to get up there i mean because we have actually been sneaking away early and late you know like on a monday or you know friday whatever it is um to just try to experience that nice um the great minnesota gathering is coming up mm-hmm. we were chatting about that the state fair Yep. that's yep. always kind of like a. all
0: right we're it's done <laughs> and then um the sort of like what i what i feel like is the american industrial complex basically wakes up <laughs> football occurs on the weekends yeah people start working harder yeah, people were not answering emails. Stuff to do, mm-hmm. and kids are back in school, so parents have more free time. I mean, like, there's there's sort of this like, I I feel Here like a go. grumbling, like a, a you know, a, like a, a revving grandpa. of the engine, like everybody's oh. sort of oiling the oiling and the stretching. joints and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. We'll what see. about you? Do you have anything that you're um, trying to? You know, I told myself that I was going to do a thousand lunges in a day before the end of the summer so I have a couple weeks to get that done. How do you work out to get to a thousand?
1: Do you have a regimen or are you just gonna grit through a thousand?
0: Uh, I'm gonna do as many as I absolutely possibly can and then I'm gonna walk for a bit and then do as many as I absolutely possibly can uh, but this is something that's been brewing over the course of the summer so I started and was like oh because I, I, I didn't have a gym membership at this time so mm-hmm. I was like all right, well.'" lunging is a really great activity so and I, it's just a body weight thing so i was just doing my entire workout regimen was body weight exercises so mm-hmm. um i did a hundred and i was like oh you know cool well, next time i'll do 150 and then i did 200 and then i was like oh 250 sweet you know and then, do you
1: walk when you do lunges yeah walking like lunges, you go straight like walking lunges yep, yeah yeah yep.
0: okay and then um and then i was kind of like okay yeah you know I wonder if I could do a thousand. It's a lot. And then I did 600. And then last time I did 750.
1: Oh, so you're, you're getting there. On the I'm door. getting there. Yeah.
0: And it's not like I do them consistently. Like I can probably do 150 without stopping.
1: Well, you could do what? Yeah. I mean, you and break then, that down, do 150 a couple times throughout the day.
0: Well, I don't do it throughout the day. I could do it throughout the day. I do it in one workout time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very similar to a challenge that my girlfriend or fiance's work puts on every December, which is, I believe you're supposed to do 10,000 thousand push-ups in a month, right? Yeah, 10,000 in a month. Yeah, but that's, you know, as many as you want during the during the day all throughout the day. And I think that's a really cool thing. Because people at their office then just get out of their chair and start pumping out pull up push-ups and like if you do that in a regular office setting people will walk by you and be like oh Jim Hardo yeah for you know? sure get the roids out yeah seriously so or even if you're like stretching in the office I feel so awkward like doing anything that's not like athletic. Walking, anything athletic at all and it's like yeah. how stupid are we that we've designed these settings that we're in for eight hours a day that have have purposefully eliminated all activity and and i think it's a relic of the industrial revolution which was we need people to sit in one place and do one like repeat pick up task one saying for eight hours there. a yeah. day for as yeah. long as possible without them getting to be so tired and bad at it that they screw up the product yeah and that's i believe how the eight-hour workday came around for
1: sure it's yeah. not designed around uh what is, what is the, the work? There's some term for the work that we're doing now.
0: Oh, well, it's more intellectual. Yeah, it's know. like it's...
1: there's some term that's like, anyways, it's analytical work that is, you know, requiring us to have minds that aren't bogged down. I mean, yeah. you need to be doing your best thinking. So the eight hour work day, I think, is completely.
0: It's becoming more and more obsolete.
1: Obsolete. And people that are. Like, so hard on the eight hour workday, usually aren't very young. Like, they're usually older. Anybody that's our age is kind of like, man, get me out of the office. I'll do my work at 10 p.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever. I'll get my work done. It just doesn't matter where. And it's like, it's funny because then this turns into the whole millennial versus non millennial bash session. So, you know, we all have our different ways of working, and some work for some and some work for others you know it's just
0: and I I just look at the layout of the office and the office building has become the post-industrial revolution like sort of default way that people have decided work environments should be. It's like, okay, yeah. instead of having people sit on these lines, let's give them these little cubes and their computer screens and then keep them there. Yeah, And there have been a lot of efforts to try and break that with like the walking desks or whatever or gyms in the offices. And I think all of those things are really great. But then you've got the more innovative companies like Amazon and their uh, new uh nature office building have you seen that globe that dome oh my gosh it's cool there is some fantastic there are some fantastic videos about this new working facility which is attached to amazon headquarters that is a giant dome and it's a rainforest it's like 85 percent humidity there are birds there are animals there are trees and there are workspaces the amazon it is the Amazon and you are, you're sitting there plugging away, just destroying small businesses everywhere you please oh, for sure! from a really comfortable, picking up, insulated, picking up companies and
1: dropping them over your knee.
0: Yeah. From a, ex- for, from a, a really nice vantage point up yeah. in the trees, in the clouds, in your tree house, in the tree house, just raping and pillaging behind the keys, man. Hey. modern day warrior that's that's how people
1: take over the world now is that's how you take over the world technology is it's here and it's uh it's extremely extremely efficient so if you can figure out how to do things more efficient that's the name of the game
0: well and uh these these work environments that do translate to attracting more talent and I, i see that you know there's yeah. a direct correlation to the amount of time that you sit in a chair in a day and the amount that you're going to weigh. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Scary. Like I know, if you have a more sedentary lifestyle, you're going to you're going to weigh more. Yeah, and, and what does that people mean? People say smoking. Unfortunately, sitting in it'll chairs, cost more. Yeah, people say sitting in a chair is the new uh, smoking. Is the new smoking? I mean, yeah, we'll, sitting we'll, is the new smoking. I mean, everything is always going to be. Though, you know. Oh I mean, gosh, those guys are. They're licking their chops. They're ready. That's why there's one in every
1: corner. Yeah, <laughs> you just if you don't go a mile and don't see a sign for an Peters Building, you are you're, you're not are probably not in America. <laughs>
0: you're probably not around a lot of people. Yeah, you're you're probably in Canada. Well, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room.